And welcome everyone to episode 19 of the Sports Business Live podcast. And today is going to be a little bit of a different episode than you guys are used to hearing. Uh, there's no actual guests that we're bringing on. It's actually just going to be the two voices you've gotten to know very well over the last five months. That's going to be Joel Roberts and myself, Mitch Sharma. So before we get into uh, the meat of today's episode, listeners, we want to just kind of, first of all, thank all of you for the success that Joel and I have seen since we started this thing as a passion project back in August. Uh, we're in 26 countries, more downloads than we could ever think of, tremendous feedback, both positive and negative, which we love either way, um, and a lot of learnings for, for Joel and I. So first of all, I just want to kind of throw that out there. I'm mm -hmm. sure, Joel, you feel the same way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just hearing from past guests, especially as 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 our network continues to grow, uh, as our as our listenership continues to grow, it, it's pretty funny to hear back from some people that maybe were earlier guests to say, "Hey, I'm I'm still listening. I'm I'm still following along." So it's 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 very humbling, and I think that's been a pretty common theme along our, amongst our guests is is how you know humble our our entire industry is in in, in most cases. We'll say because I mean, there's there's still a lot of people out there that like to brag about what they do, and you know, they have every right to. But yeah, I think overall it's been pretty incredible reflection of our of our networks that we have, you know, between you and I, and and you know, for myself being able to really get to know some of the people that you know better, and and by and I hope it's true, vice versa. Mm -hmm. So we're really grateful for that, and yeah, I mean, really, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the listenership, and and you know, Mitch and I, we always kind of have our, our our post meetings, you know, behind the scenes of looking at some of the numbers, and it's it's always cool to see what we define as, as new listeners and then they come on board and then they go back to listen to some of the older episodes. It's so it's, it's incredible to see. We, we, we love everyone out there and, and we hope that people leave this episode knowing a little bit more about you and I. I think that's a good segue into what we want to do today, which is a bit different, but we've also heard from a lot of you who've reached out to Joel and I saying that we want to know more about Joel and Mitch and you guys always talk to the guests. You guys are always asking them great questions and you do a little, a little kind of preamble before the interview and then you takeaways afterwards, but we never know what's going on in your guys' lives from a work perspective. So we thought, hey, we're going to give the people what they want. So on today's episode, uh, both Joel and I are going to jump into the interviewee chair and answer some questions back and forth and kind of just get to know each other a bit more. Uh, what's been going on these last five months, but even just throughout the pandemic and looking at how our careers have evolved. So, Joel, are you, are you ready to uh, put that interviewee hat on for the first time? Let's do it. All right, let's rock and roll. So what we're going to start off today with, Joel, is let's get to know the changes that you've made over the course of your career. And really what we want to kind of start off with is what would a young 20-year-old version of Joel think or, or maybe even say if you met the current day version of Joel based on what you do? Well, the first thing I would say to the 20 year old is take better care of your hair because once, once you get to this age, <laughs> you're going to miss it. I, I think they'd be curious of why I wasn't an NHL GM because that was really all I was focused on at the time, you know, in terms of that career path of you're going to university, you're going to do this because you're going to get your law degree and then you're going to become a successful player agent and then a GM and the rest is history. But I think at the same point, if they were to look at the resume, I think they would be proud of the accomplishments, right? So whether it's the, it's the work that I was able to achieve uh, throughout the OHL, you know, climb the ladder, wear many different hats, as I told in the last, in the last episode, you know, just missed out on a Memorial Cup ring, an OHL ring. But then fast forward to the next year, working on the 100th Great Cup and the momentous event that that was and getting my Great Cup ring and kind of getting that first championship ring, which I still hold very close to me. I've never worn it to any events because obviously I didn't feel like I won it, but it's still a cool thing to have in the trophy case. But that's what I would say. I would say it's it's the level of accomplishments 
I, I don't think I'm going to win a George Brown five to watch anytime soon, but, but that's okay. I mean, I think mm-hmm. I, 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 I feel strong about the network that I've been able to develop. And I think that that's pretty apparent. Like we talked about already with our, with our network, with our guests, with uh, just the ease of, of conversations that we can have with people. And I think that's, these are skills that we're we're always there. I feel in terms of being able to connect with people, being having a lot of empathy when, when you're in conversations and and you know putting others first sometimes to my detriment. But I think all those skills, it'd be interesting to kind of draw that 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 through line to say, okay, these were things that were in me when I was 20 years old, but they weren't really brought to the forefront. So it's been a long journey to get to where I am, almost you know two decades later, which I don't like to admit, but. The fact that it's 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 all those things that were already there, learning how to discover them, learning how to sharpen those skills, but then of course add to that as well. But I'd love to hear your answer. I know that you were young when you first came to Toronto for school. So what would that 18, 19 year old Mitch say to current day you? That young Mitch Sharma was definitely very brash and you know thought the world was his oyster uh, at 18, 19 years old, thought he'd do his undergrad and probably become a president in five years. So that was his, that was the, his vision in his own brain. But I think looking at that version of Mitch to what I do to the present day, I think he'd be relatively but very pleasantly surprised at the evolution of my career in terms of seeing childhood dream achieved by working for the Edmonton Oilers. I think he would be okay. That's amazing. Well done. Seeing that I got my MBA, which was something that you know was something that I thought about doing in my high school, got that done. But I think it's also the young Mitch was too worried about the destination, not about the journey. And mm-hmm. I think that's where I, I feel that I would instill that wisdom to him to say, stop worrying about what the title you want at the end of the day. Worry about what you want to do to achieve to make yourself a better sports business individual now and in the short term and then build those skill set and that work ethic. I think the work ethic I have now. I didn't have it when I was in my late mm-hmm. teens, early twenties, and I didn't respect the type of grind that was required to find success. And, you know, I think those would be the things that I, I'm most proud of to this day. And I would let my younger self know that, you know, focus on those things. Don't worry about the money. Don't worry about the title, worry about what is the impact you're creating for the organization you work for and the level of happiness. I know it's a little broad strokes, but the level of happiness that you're bringing to your day to day, um, just because of that. And you raise a really good point about kind of having talking about having patience, but at the same time, something that that I wish I would have learned early on in my career was just knowing the power of what your network could be from an earlier age. So I, I think it was one of those things where, you know, the job I had, I, I was in the OHL. I didn't really think in my mind, because I always had these higher aspirations of, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be a success until I get to the NHL. I'm not going to be a success until I have X title. I think for me, you know, thinking that I was a little sheltered because I worked in Mississauga, it, it wasn't the cool downtown Toronto job. I, I just wish I would have been d- doing a better job of, of not letting that limit myself in terms of wh- who I want to get in touch with or, or even grow that network with. I mean, again, lucky enough to go to a school where you have lots of good peers that you can lean on, but just really not taking advantage of that early on. And, and that's something I didn't really learn until probably like my mid to late 20s. So that's definitely something that I would try to appreciate earlier on. I think going into the next question for you, Joel, kind of touched on already, but how has that work life changed since the start of the pandemic? Like, what are some things that you've, you know, whether new skills you developed or key takeaways that you've had? The biggest thing I realized during the pandemic is just how much I miss people. I mean, I, I feed off people's energy. That's one of the, my, my favorite things about working in the agency I do. And I've always worked in smaller organizations. So having, you know, a small tight crew that you can just feed off of. So whether it's just kind of sharing incredible stories or just, you know, whether it's going out for lunch, meeting up with friends that all kind of work downtown or, or getting together people for drinks. It's those types of connections that, that I really miss. And I'm really grateful for these connections that I've made. 
but at the same time, it just really kind of shows you that what we do is, is, is social work and yeah, we can still get our job done while, while we're at home, hopefully, but the atmosphere is really what I miss the most. Another thing is that I've found time for myself. I've always made the excuse, you know, I've, I've been overweight, but I've always made the excuse of, you know what, man, I'm, I'm tired. It's been a long day at work. I, I, I expelled all this brain power and now I had to drive home in traffic. You know what? I don't feel like working out. So getting rid of that excuse, finding time for myself, realizing that if you look at life as a big pie, that the one thing that I was always ignoring and the slice that I was always throwing away, so to speak, was the fitness slice. And that, that will catch up to you, especially once you get to you know, our age as, as we do get older. So I think the fact that I've made, taken that importance to say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to run today or I'm going to work out. These are all things that I just always would push to the side. And you know, I know we've had guests that have said they've lost uh, tons of weight and, and I'm definitely in that camp too. I mean, if I look at myself at the beginning of this year, I've probably lost close to 50 pounds, which is a lot. I mean, again, I, I'm six, four, you know, I, I can carry my weight well, evenly distributed, but yeah, it's, it's those types of things that, that have kind of shone through. So I, in, in, in terms of the work, it, it's definitely the connections it's, it's the network, but I think that's one important piece that we all missed is we all got caught up in our, in our busyness. And again, we talk about going the extra mile and, and always wanting to be your best, but let's not lose sight of, of, of yourselves and, and always make time for yourself as I guess my long winded answer to this. No, I, I, there's nothing wrong with that at all, explanation at all. Joe, I think for me to summarize both kind of the personal and professional life of, you know, how it's changed since the start of the pandemic, it is that personal connection to my network. And that's both obviously professional and personal, but from a professional standpoint, you know, being in sports sponsorships, you know, relationship management is essential to success, mm -hmm. right? It's, it's part of our day to day, not, not a every now and then it's every day you're talking to partners previous to the pandemic. I'd be knowing I could go to Rogers Center. I'd be able to maybe check in with my partners in Vancouver, mm -hmm. in Ottawa, et cetera. But those are all gone right now. But obviously, we have the virtual avenues available to make those relationships sustainable. But at the same time, you miss those, you know, a simple thing like a handshake and a hug, mm -hmm. right? Those are the little things that we took for granted previous to this that just kind of reinforce that relationship that you're creating with your partners. And so now, you know, what have we done to evolve from that? It's doing more daily check-ins or, you know, every other day check talking to partners. And it's been, it's been good in that way. It's, it's just finding new ways to find commonalities in life that still maintain those bonds. So when you do come out of this, it's like, you still kind of keep it systems going and it's, you know, now you just get to be in the same room with them. But then second to that for me, in terms of like how that work life has evolved, it is that sense of appreciation being around my team. And I think, you know, not being in, you know, even though we work for a big organization and there's a lot of people, there was still a normality around being around my team, asking them questions, getting quick feedback, and sometimes just doing the one-off brainstorm sessions. Like just mm -hmm. being able to go off and just quickly, hey, let's, let's have a quick huddle. I want to quickly just chat about this opportunity. You know, now I have to, you know, yes, I am everyone, but you just think about that. If you have an idea that's just pumping through your brain right now and you're like, well, I got to type it all out. And then how do I make sure when I explain it through typing, my team understands and resonates with exactly what I'm trying to get. It's probably not going to happen all the time. So you then have to like type it out again or like, okay, let's hop on a call. And then it's just not as effective. So those are the little things that I miss, especially if I get those quick creative brainstorms where it's like something's hitting me real quick and I want to share it with someone. And I think you raise a really good point about empathy and patience when working with partners. So whether it's yourself working with, you know, some of your, your clients or, or, or myself in, in the sales world, just trying to sell through some campaigns, working with properties and trying to manage their expectations of, of what to expect in the landscape and, and having those check-ins with, with different, whether they are a partner currently or just someone that one of your peers in, in the industry to say, 
hey, what is it that you guys are hearing? What do you think the next six months look like? How's your planning procedure doing going? And then being able to apply those things. So it's it's shone a light on the importance of of doing the right partnerships. And I think you're seeing a massive shift in that already earlier in the year, but I think it's gonna hold true even more so. So making sure that it is a right partnership, it has a meaningful message, it has a meaningful connection. And so those types of things I think are are something that's gonna be really positive as we all collectively move forward. I should have also started off by saying congratulations. 50 pounds is not uh, a small feat. But uh, one thing I wanted to build on that was talking about that organization of the work-life balance. And, you know, you talked about fitness growing even more important for you throughout the pandemic because let's call it that extra time that you've been given back, whether it's from not having to drive into work or dealing with the rush hour. So how have you been able to stay organized? How have you been able to manage your day-to-day Knowing, you know, in your role, there's a lot of people reporting into you, but you have a lot of teamwork, a lot of projects do, campaigns, et cetera, but then also looking at the personal life as well and maintaining both of those. It's something that I constantly strive to be better at. I, th- I think of myself as an organized person, but I've, I've realized that I've become a creature of habit as we all have. So being able to calendarize a lot of what I do has really helped. So setting certain reminders, blocking off times in my calendar. And these are things I never really did earlier on, but as I had more responsibility, and as you mentioned, you know, more people to report to, more people reporting to me, it's one of those things where, okay, like, how do I, how do I keep this all organized? Because this is really a massive wheel that we're trying to keep turning. So for me, I need to cut two hours of my calendar to focus purely on this. I need to do that. I need to set a reminder here. So sometimes it can be a little bit overwhelming when someone looks at your calendar and, and sees all the different color coding and they're like, what the hell is this? But I think everyone has their own system, but that, that to me has definitely kind of kept me on, on the straight and narrow when it comes to that. And of course, I mean, I think we all like our routines too. So whether it's, you know, carving and, and kind of taking a look at that day and say, okay, today's a day where I have an hour here where I'm going to take, I'm going to move my lunch to three o'clock because I, I can go for a run then and not being afraid to do those types of things because knowing that you're still getting the job done. And that's another thing during this pandemic, right? I mean, separating work from home has, has been difficult too, especially if, if you live in a condo and, and you don't really, you can't really get away from where, where your office is because you're kind mm-hmm. of staring at it because it might be your kitchen table. Mm-hmm. Uh, but those, those are definitely things that have helped me a lot when, when trying to stay staying organized and also op- operating at an optimal level. But I'd love to hear from you because I feel like you're even more organized than I am. It's been an evolution for uh, my wife and I because, you know, she's uh, in teaching. I'm obviously in, in, in banking. And for her, her and I, we started off on the kitchen table, just like you said. It was a situation for the first half where we didn't know how long we'd be doing this. So we didn't mm-hmm. want to put that investment for our second bedroom to be converted into something else. So we did everything from the comfort of her dining table. And at the end of the day now, it was not the best decision because it was, we mixed two lives together. Yeah. We couldn't separate ourselves from work and personal life. Cause I mean, even when we're sitting watching Netflix or you know having dinner, it's where work is right in front of us. So it's mm-hmm. a bad mix. Uh, and then eventually we were like, okay, we got to change this up. And we reconverted uh, our second bedroom to be a full office space, which is now also our recording studio for you and I. But it's allowed me to stay on, on top of things a lot more because I, I can focus on work. And second to that would be what you talked about is that calendar integration of life. And I think calendar for me has just become such a more important tool to utilize, not only for myself, but uh, for my wife and for my team at work, because I'm able to separate those two lives and understand what's important. And especially nowadays with the sunlight being a lot lower, I always block off time during the sunlight to make sure I go out for a walk, whether mm-hmm. it's with myself to kind of catch up on some podcasting or to go with my wife and just kind of have a nice stroll for about 30, 45 minutes. Again, just to kind of get out there, get the legs moving, get some sunshine, uh, you know, staying organized, but I'm also trying to be flexible and nimble. I think that's the number one thing I've learned over the last eight, nine months is 
yes, we always have to be flexible beforehand, but now it's even more so because a partner is talking to you every day and is going to send you a text and be like, hey, are you cool to chat in the next 15 minutes? I may have a meeting coming up, but now I'm going to have to be like, okay, how? what's the bigger priority here? Mm -hmm. What's coming up even more important that's going to be determining the, the outcome of a project? So having that ability to be agile has kind of risen to the top. And I think, you know, utilizing my calendar a lot more has kind of been the biggest win for me in terms of staying organized. And I think we're kind of transitioning nicely into what we always ask our guests about, you know, certain advice that they would like to pass on. I know we kind of did this exercise a little bit earlier on, but what, what are some things that, that you kind of learned early on your, in your career that you either still live by or, or some of the things that you've kind of picked up along the way, whether it's just words of advice or just kind of um, mentality? For most part, anyone that knows me knows I'm pretty transparent. I, I, I don't mm -hmm. technically hold a lot of things back. And I, I still like to live like that because I just don't want to BS anyone. I feel like at the end of the yeah. day, you know, we, we need to be clear with our partners. We need to be clear with our friends, clear with our family about, you know, what we're thinking, what we want to do, what our goals are, what our objectives are. Because at the end of the day, you want anything you do in life to be a success, but you also want to be efficient in how you're getting your objectives and goals communicated out. So for me, I think that's one of the biggest pieces of advice I have for anyone is it's proven to be an effective method, but obviously there's a filter, right? There's a, there's a line you don't want to cross and you never want to be too transparent, but mm -hmm. so it comes with time. I had to learn over time. What was the right button to push? What was the wrong button to push? How to be transparent to a certain level. But again, it's important. I find that for my executives, especially they, they love the fact that I'm very passionate about what I do and it comes across in my communication. It comes across in my work. And I feel like that's been, for me, the biggest ticket to my success thus far. And I think that's why I also wanted to have a podcast because it allowed me to kind of share those thoughts that I had. But uh, I'll flip it back to you. Like, is there something that kind of sticks out to you the most, Joel, for a words of advice or wisdom? Well, first of all, what, what, everything you said from a communication standpoint is, is is absolutely spot on. And that's something that's, I think, really helped us be successful in, in a podcast, if we can say so ourselves, and just in terms of the way we communicate and, and we're on, honest with each other. And, you know, we do tend to challenge each other from time to time, which which is needed. So it's something that actually Tara mentioned previously in an episode, and it's kind of managing expectations. So which which kind of really dovetails to your point, or maybe even might be one of the same, just in terms of don't overpromise something that you can't deliver on, because that will just absolutely mess up your re reputation. And as we are in a small industry, your reputation can sometimes precede you. But yeah, so just having that that ability to to be honest uh, and transparent, and sometimes having to say, listen, this isn't going to work out. But that's only step one, you also need to come up with a solution at the same time. So don't just kind of bring a problem to the forefront. And that's something that I think is a really good piece of advice to people that are younger. Don't identify what the problem is. Let's let's work past that and say, okay, I, I've identified the problem, but I think here's a couple solutions. Now let's work together on said solution. So I think things like that are, are, are hyper important. Another thing I, of advice I got you know, early on in my career is that your day doesn't end until you've responded to everyone, especially in what we do from a service industry, sales, it's, it's, it's very important. I know sometimes we, we just don't get to it or so, you know, for me, it's got a little bit of a sliding scale. It doesn't necessarily have to be that day, but you know, by week's end, take that time again, block it out of your calendar, that, that hour of on Friday, if you have, if you've had a busy week and just make sure and say, okay, I, where are all the emails? Maybe you flag them, maybe you highlight them, maybe you do whatever, maybe you pin them and say, okay, these are the things that, these are the five things I need to get back to at the end of the day. And even if it's just a note to say super swamped, apologize, we'll get to this next week. Or again, if you're doing it at the end of the day, say, you know, I didn't get a chance to get to this, but we'll make it a priority next day. And don't just say it to say it, say it because you mean it and, and make it a meaningful action. So I think those types of things, really, if you were to put this all in one bucket, it'd be honest and, and direct communication. But I think those are good pieces of advice that we can pass on. 
As we close out today's episode, we know that one of our most popular segments with a lot of you is our rapid fire. So it's only fair that Joel and I jump into the the world of rapid fires ourselves. So what's going to happen right now is I'm going to go first and ask Joel my list of questions. And just again, for the listeners, going back to the importance of transparency, Joel has not seen the questions that I've prepared for him and vice versa. I have not seen the questions that Joel's prepared for me. However, at least I'll say for my batch of questions for you, Joel, you'll be very familiar with a big chunk of them because we've asked them to our guests. But in my opinion, they're some of the more popular ones Mm -hmm. that we get some of the best answers from. So I'm hoping to get those same equal best answers from you. So as you always ask, are you ready to go? Let's do it. Your go-to holiday movie that you can't wait to watch or may have already watched this year. Christmas Vacation, without a doubt. Favorite holiday tradition in the Roberts household. I'll give a little bit of shout out to my my mom and, and her German roots. So there's this thing called St. Nicholas Day, which is on December 6th. And that's actually in Germany when they put their stockings out. So it's not necessarily on Christmas Eve because Christmas Eve is actually when Germans do their Christmas. But the reason why it's so special to me, because no matter how old I am and, and even this year, my mom sent me a, a care package. So it, it basically has a bunch of chocolates and, and it's essentially a, a stocking. So that's something that's always been special for me and, and something that, that's, uh, that she's done for me my entire life. Would you rather live in a world with no sports or no music? I'm going to have to say no sports. I can't live without music. <laughs> One talent you never learned or mastered, but wish you did. Piano. My mom, when I was younger, was learning how to play piano, and I thought it was the dumbest thing ever. I said no, and I've regretted it pretty much ever since. As a big music guy, what is that one song you know better than the back of your hand? Um, maybe Probably something by the Beatles. Here Comes the Sun. If you could trade lives with anyone for a day, who would it be and why? You. Wow. I would, oh. I, yeah, I would, I would just, I would, lo- I would love to, uh, I'd love to be in your shoes for a day. That would be one heck of a trip. Let's just say that. Dream job outside of sports. Probably something to do with marketing and, and music or Live Nation. First job you ever had? Technically, I was a paperboy. Nice. My first paperboy. corporate job was McDonald's. If you had one last meal, what would it be? Probably a nice steak with some hollandaise sauce, some really nice fries, candied bacon, and then we're going to throw in just a beautiful like lava cake. All right, last one for you, Joel. If you could watch any event in history live, which one would it be? The 1967 Leafs Stanley Cup Championship because it might be the last one in my lifetime. All right, so that that's it for my end for uh, the rapid fire. So I, I, that was awesome. I was great to put you on the hot seat for that. But uh, now I guess uh, we'll reverse the roles as you will now ask me questions. From defender to shooter, here we go. First thing you did when you moved to Toronto. I actually was trying to figure out where the hell I was because I didn't know the difference between Mississauga and Toronto. And I was actually in Mississauga and I was wondering where the hell the CN Tower was because I couldn't see it anywhere. So that was the first thing I did when I came to Toronto. Who's the most underrated oiler of your lifetime? Tommy Salo. Why did you become a Colts fan? Out of sheer luck. Uh, it was uh, 2007 Super Bowl. First ever NFL game was watching on TV with my uh, good buddy. And he told me, hey, we got to pick a team to cheer for. So it was the Bears or the Colts. All I knew was that Peyton Manning, I knew he was a legend. And I knew Rex Grossman was a QB of the Bears. And I was smart and made the choice to cheer for whatever team Peyton played for. So I cheered for the Colts. So I, I won. And obviously I was like, all right, this team's great. And then luck of the draw, my brother moved an hour and a half outside of Indianapolis about two years later. So I had no reason not to keep watching them every time I went to go down to visit. So it was a match made in heaven. If you could relive any sports moment, what would it be and why? I grew up obviously being an Oilers fan. 
till this day, I've obviously never seen them win a Stanley Cup. I went to the Cup final game uh, in 2006, but obviously they lost. Just to relive Gretzky in his prime, I think for me, there's no better moment than 84 when they won the first Cup, so I'd love to be able to be there live. Your favorite wrestler? Neil already said this, but uh, the best there is, the best there was, Brett the Hitman Hart. First paying job? I was a line cook at McDonald's. Biggest personal athletic achievement? I was, and this is verified by my family, I was a two-time Alberta Bowler of the Year. Your dream job, and you can't say your current job. Running a pizzeria. I'm very passionate about pizza, and I would love to one day just have a place that I call my own. What is your favorite thing about me? Your humility. I think you're very easy to get along with, but you've achieved a lot and you have a great network. You're very social, but you're very humble about it all. Well, there's nothing more humble than making a question all about me, but that takes us to the end of the rapid fire. That was a lot of fun. And I actually learned more about you than I thought I would. So this is a great idea. This is a lot of fun. This was awesome. This was a thing that we'll have to try to do again uh, in maybe the tail end of our, our season of season one. I know to everyone, this is... Just the start of many episodes still to go in, in 2020, 2021. We're obviously tipping our cap to this year, which everyone wants to end. And so we want to thank you, every, everyone, for listening in, downloading, subscribing, sharing, all that great stuff. We don't want you to stop. So please continue to follow us on LinkedIn at the Sports Business Life Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at the SBL Podcast. We have a lot in store for you guys in 2021, not just with guests, but in terms of what we want to do with content. At the end of the day, we want to wish you a very safe and a very happy holiday season. And I guess, Joel, maybe a a Merry New Year. A Merry New Year. Let's turn the page on this year. And hopefully there's better things ahead in 21 for all of us. And again, just a massive thank you for everyone and and all their support and all their kind words. It's it's really, it truly meant a lot. And it's, it's pretty humbling to see how we've gone from just a conversation at lunch to what we've accomplished today. So we wouldn't be here without you guys. So thank you so much. Thank mm-hmm. you.